When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Emma Sassett's interview with the director and writer for Marina, Antonetta Alamat Kusajinovic. I've never been in love. How could you be? I know what's best for my daughter. Hi, Antonetta, how are you? <laughs> I am great, very happy to be here. I'm so excited to talk with you. Um, I know the people listening, if they have read my review, they will know that I too am from the Balkan region, and it's always very exciting to speak with a filmmaker who just gets it. They understand what it's like <laughs> to come from that part of the world. So I'm very excited to talk about that with you and share that with people um, who don't really know a whole lot of our part of the world. But uh, before we really dive into that, I mean, I just wanted to say a delayed congratulations for winning the Camera d'Or with this film. I mean, I know that this was your first feature film, and that must have been I mean, even more exciting than you could have imagined ever. Thank you. Yes, it wasn't a, it was unexpected, definitely, but um, it did feel good. <laughs> <laughs> and that was your first time at the festival, is that right? I've been uh, at Cannes Film Festival for a couple of years in a row with uh, Cine Fondacion, which is a development program of Cannes Film Festival um, that I was part of with while I was in development of Morina. And also for many years, I was just um, 
taken numerous internships and um, just like kind of summer work uh, uh, connected to Cannes because that was the really the best way to understand the industry and be mm-hmm. as close as possible to it before making my first feature. Mm-hmm. I guess what for you, what always attracted you to films? Um, I have a father who is who back in the day was a huge, huge film fan. He loved acting. That's what he did on the streets of Banja Luka, where he was raised. <laughs> so I know that it's kind of inherent in in some of our families and all. But for yourself, what really attracted you to the art form? Um, that's a great question because I was actually not from my early age attracted to film. I was um I was a theater person, so I was part of a local Dubrovnik theater for uh, probably eleven years, old since I'm seven, six. And my mother, uh, she's a painter, so I was always in galleries and, you know, theater and that was my way into um you know visual and more like contained dramatic way of storytelling Mm -hmm. but just later in life I realized that I want to do film probably like when I was 25 wow yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) um and that's when I um went to Columbia University in New York uh, after working for a couple of years in production, first starting with theater production, and then I moved to film production. But much later, it, it came to me that actually all this visual, dramatic storytelling, um, theater, uh, architecture, and painting really connected into uh, directing films. Mm-hmm. And since you grew up in Dubrovnik, I mean, that is such a beautiful part of the world. <laughs> and you've seen, I know that we've seen in the last um, five, 10 years, a lot more productions being done over there. Did any of that also maybe inspire you to want to make your mark in some way? At the time when productions already started happening in Dubrovnik, I was already out of Dubrovnik. Mm. I am a little bit older than <laughs> than uh, you know going to school ten years ago. <laughs> so I was, uh, yeah, I went to a film academy in Croatia studying theater actually mm-hmm. when I was eighteen, and just like I would say, like seven, eight years after that, the the Game of Thrones and bigger yeah. shows started shooting in in Dubrovnik. Um, I did do some of the you know, a second AD positions on projects like that. But oh, I was cool. not, I was not, that was not what inspired the route. No, mm-hmm. it was more just um, accidentally taking the camera and while, while waiting for the director to show up that I kind of stopped <laughs> on this crap. I had a friend in college who told me uh, he was going to Dubrovnik just because Game of Thrones was shot there. And I said, please Ugh. see anything else. It is such a beautiful country and beautiful part of Croatia. Please see Split and Hlad and all these other places while you're over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it did give definitely um, a certain broader um, a popularity to Croatia, these big, these big shows. So, 
it's yeah. good in a way. It is. <laughs> uh, with Marina, I know that uh, this came out uh, in 2021, so it's it's been a while since uh, it premiered uh, at Cannes and all, but um, you know, what have the conversations still been like with you when you see this in theaters with audiences? And I know you're still racking up a lot of nominations for it. You're nominated for a DGA award uh, and there are a few spirit nominations too. So obviously people are still gravitating toward this story. That is really um, incredible, really, because the film has premiered in a very special can this first you know can after many months of canceled festivals all around the world so it was really like kind of resurrection can and uh, it was still a very small event without many exhibitors and buyers um and it was hard to market the movie uh, with that kind of limited capacity of what a festival normally is. So um, e even though it was beautiful to have an, an in-person festival for just reaching film, reaching the audiences, it was not what Cannes does every other year. So it took a beat for this movie to be seen and uh, I was really um, lucky with Kino Lorber to distribute film in US at a really great timing. Uh, it was during the summer and this film does give you that, the feel of, you know, European summer mm -hmm. and that I really think clicked well with the audiences and that was sparked critics and uh, people who are rooting for the film to start speaking early on and then the film almost had just another life yeah. that happened with Gotham and Spirits and DGA that was really um, it, it's a real gift. I know I mean I can just imagine that I know that people who have put on films for years and decades I mean it, it's special for them to still be recognized but I mean first time director feature directorial debut and just so many beautiful gifts coming your way I can't even imagine how you're feeling deep inside you're keeping very calm right now ah <laughs> uh, it is um uh, it is yes I, I'm always um very happy for the movie to be seen and to be recognized but I also, in the same time, know that I need to be thinking of what is the next story I really need to tell. And like, because um, you can only have gravitas in the in the in your new personal development. You know, with Morena, I've finished that chapter. I've solved the questions that I had with myself and with the. The, the audience hopefully that I hoped that Morena would be for, which is, you know, women of all ages, but especially the 16-year-old selves within you at any time and any point in your life. Um, and I, I feel like that chapter has closed for me. And um, as incredible it is to receive the accolades, they just feel 
that the focus needs to be given to also the next step and the next work and and surrounding yourself with again with your team and working again Mm -hmm. this definitely helps as well yes it does I would love to know the inspiration behind this story. I mean, as I mentioned, you you grew up in Dubrovnik, so you know the coast very, very well. Um, but this is a very, it seems like a very personal story, but also, I mean, I recognized a lot of aspects of my own life and my own, uh, the traits of my mother and my father in the mother and father characters here too. So I would love to know how how this all began. Yes, I do think it is very um, specific to Croatian mentality. Yes. People um, in Croatia often would say, oh, like nothing really happens. It's just a regular family. Whereas in some other parts of the world, like more more Anglo-Saxon, people would say like, this person is a monster. Like This is abuse. And then, yeah, it's all the point of view and the culture uh, I, I rather not call it culture and mentality but it is like some kind of like um, generational inherited violence but it's very interesting because just this morning I have um, I'm working with this wonderful uh, theater writer from Croatia mm-hmm. and we are writing this uh, actually short film that I'm hoping to shoot in a month uh, in New York, and we are touching upon some folklore and a little bit leaning on diaspora and this background. And as we were brainstorming, I remember that when I was 18 years old, uh, my great grandmother, who was at the time 95, mm. was still alive. Wow. Hello, this is Gary Chachot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. And just a few months before she died, I actually made a video with her. It was during my first year of academy in Zagreb. And I called my mom this morning and asked her if she can find that USB that it's somewhere in our house (laughs) because I really need it. But I remember my great-grandmother told me, I've never left this island and I could have done so much more. Mm. And that remorse at 95 that breaks the constructs of patriarchy, mentality, and the things like the the smiles you had to perform, mm-hmm. the emotions you had to hide, the things that you had to keep away from everyone. Yeah. And then at 95, like, what keeps you from saying it? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it, and I thought, I mean, 
I was not living on an island and I wasn't trapped there, but like, I understand where Moria comes from, obviously. I must have been subconsciously so impacted by what she told me. And just like two years after the Seth Festival circuit, I'm sitting here in my desk this morning and I make this very obvious connection. But you know, like the paths of work and writing are so funny that this is how much time it took me. Yeah, that is um, that is very relatable in the sense of what my grandmother, uh, they still lived in Banja Luka in Bosnia and uh, lived in the same house for 50 plus years from the day they moved in there. And my grandfather, when he came to America to visit us for five weeks, my grandmother had chicken every single day for the first time in decades because he said he he does not like chicken and he will not have it in his house and I know that that's one <laughs> very silly example but it's true it's that you know the it's kind of like you just have to swallow that swallow it down and just say okay I guess this is how it has to be even though you want to express yourself in a different way and you want to experience something different but I know that that's not possible for a lot of the previous generations that came before us yeah I know it's incredible because as I'm writing this this story right now the short story I'm I'm talking with my uh, collaborators and I'm like but if we're shooting this and you're like, is this going to be relatable? Like, are people <laughs> going to understand this here? Or this is just in our countries, in our part of the world? And you know what? Actually, I think it's not. Mm. I think it's not just in our part of the world. I mm. think that in a certain forms, it's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, it's just that in this part of the world, we are surrounded with people that are in a different industry and this type of oppression and violence manifests in a different ways. Mm -hmm. Not about a chicken, you know? <laughs> it's not just about the, a chicken, but the chicken is yeah. a big part of it. <laughs> but the, it, the entrapment does not become just like space, physical space of an yeah. island of a of a it is it is it's it comes in different more um more hidden delicate and maybe possibly more vicious ways mm -hmm. with this film uh as you mentioned a lot of people might look at it and be like oh my god this is the worst father-daughter relationship I've ever seen but you know we might be able to draw some uh personal experiences from it I do think though that um what Gracia Filipovic and Leon Luchev do in this film is just incredible. How did you um, either encourage them to bring that out? Because I'm sure that they are very lovely people <laughs> in their own regard, yeah. but to constantly be at odds with each other in this film, I mean, that that does take some skill. Yeah, I, I think it's all about um, creating the right environment for the actor to um, the, that dynamics could emerge, they could imagine them in which, cons uh, uh, how, how do you set up the conflict? Because he, there's no, no bad guy thinks he's bad. Yeah. So 
just if you give the right context to the violence and everybody has their right reasons, it's very easy to trust that story. Mm-hmm. And then from it, the reactions I think are natural and justifiable. And that was very important for me. Um, and very often people in Croatia actually root with the father. Mm. They understand the father, they empathize with him. It's very hard for him. He's like he is so tragic to certain people. I I I take pride in that. Yeah. I mean, I know from my own parents, they lived a very, very tough life and a very complicated life, especially during the 90s with everything that took place. And I know that that has impacted impacted them in more ways than none. And I'm sure a lot of bad moments, too, may have stemmed from that trauma that was endured during that time. So you do understand and kind of say, well, he might he, he, he might not be like this, really. I think it just might be the effects of everything that happened. But then it's also hard because you're also like, he's such a bad guy. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it is all about the circumstances for the character. It is all about uh, the dynamics that that violence really can only breed through love. Mm-hmm. Because for these parents, it is an act of love, even though patriarchy and ego is higher than love. But that's a blind spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we have to wrap up soon, but I did want to ask you a little bit about um, the cinematography in this film, I think is stunning and beautiful. It's very rude of you to have these very crazy, rambunctious people juxtaposed with the beautiful Croatian coastline to show that juxtaposition. But, um, you know, working with uh, your cinematographer on this film, how did you decide on, you know, what you definitely wanted to capture and, I guess, amplify both the beauty, but also the, the really difficulties that this family is facing? Uh, Ellen is really incredible collaborator and she uh, makes uh, very complicated things very smooth and easy and not only like physically in execution but also like she creates simplicity in her image where really the character comes in front of everything and that's how I would like to think of the film as well mm-hmm. uh what was very important to us uh, is that this nature even though it's so beautiful and stark it's really inhabitable mm-hmm. it's it's so claustrophobic there's no shade there's nowhere to hide the bodies are burning like the flash on the sun <laughs> and the only place where you can hide is in underwater where there is shade where it's where it's wet where it's impossible to breathe Mm -hmm. so uh you either burn or you can't breathe (laughs) so we kind of wanted to create that and the claustrophobia and uh this tightness emotional and physical does not come from lack of space it comes from inhabitable space like being on the moon Mm -hmm. So that was our intention. And we we were very rigid in those rules. 
we were really looking for a location that would not have one single tree. <laughs> we wanted to have a house, a house that has no green around it, except olive trees that are gray. Mm-hmm. We were very, very uh, strict with ourselves and put a lot of constraints on ourselves and the production to be able to execute this claustrophobia and uh, discomfort in each single frame of the picture. I was very uncomfortable, <laughs> but it was still very beautiful <laughs> to look at. <laughs> you did your job and it told it, it says one thing when even the most beautiful blue waters seem so tense because she can only stay down there for so long and find freedom and some time away from her father before she has to go back up. She has to be close to him and be under his rule. So it's it's like there's no escape. As you said, there's no escape, no winning for her. Yeah, it's really like a, the, you know, like this animal that has to be in between the places. Yeah. Well, Antonetta, hvala lijepo za, za današnji zdravo. <laughs> for the people who don't hvala. speak Croatian, I said thank you for today's chat. <laughs> thank you very much, Emma. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Emma Sasek's interview with the writer and director for the film Marina, Antonetta Alamat Kuzujinovic, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Marina is nominated for three Independent Spirit Awards, including Best First Feature, Best Cinematography, and Best Breakthrough Performance. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we will see you all next time. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Right.